Welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by two of the usual hosts here. We've got Mr. Tom Mannering. Hello. Hello, and myself, uh, Josh Hartley. Uh, Tom, how, how are you doing this week? I'm good, I'm good. I, I very When you, you introduced me there, I very nearly waved and realised how that wouldn't work for <laughs> the listening audience. That's um, fair. I'm good, I'm, I'm doing decent. Uh, had a, a a bit of role-playing on the go, as, as is per use uh yes. played a, a bit of gaming uh solo which we'll maybe talk about later uh and been enjoying some uh reasonably nice weather for for scotland uh which has been a luxury oh, it's gorgeous outside isn't it, it is. and we're we're in here recording a podcast so we're God. in our respective homes shut yeah. it in windows closed soon soon <laughs> how um, are you josh is is the more pressing question i think the people want to know <laughs> the people, do the people want to know? People do they really want to know, given the rant that I've just had before we started <laughs> recording? Oh, guys. Um, right. I I feel that... Here's the thing. Like I feel like every week now I'm saying, oh, work's been a pain. Like, but it has. It, that's just... That's, that's the truth. It's just recently been pretty difficult. and for, Relatively pretty difficult, I should say. I, I acknowledge I'm not going to... I'm not going to have my head completely up my own ass. I acknowledge that people out there do are doing much tougher jobs than I am and are like that has been impacted significant like way more than mine has by covid, you know, anyone who's working in healthcare, in the police force, or in education, we've had uh, absolute horrendous pro- possibly the worst 12 months of their professional lives. Uh, so, yeah, get don't don't get out all the little violins for me because like I'm having people getting annoyed at me because we won't lend them money. But but like, right, not not to not to act in your defence for a change. But oh, oh, I don't think the fact that just because you do a job that is maybe not as challenging in the current environment that diminishes the fact that you can have a comparatively more difficult week at work. Right, I think. The two are not mutually exclusive. Like yeah. You can still have a, a tough week, uh, especially if you're acknowledging that it's a tough week for you. Yeah. No, that's that's a fair point. This is one of these... Um, I don't know does, if your mum does this, right? My mum says this. I'm calling my mum out on the podcast. I'm going to get in trouble for this, but whatever. Um, does if, your mum listen to this podcast? No, but my dad does. Okay. So from time to time, I so. am so sorry, Josh's parents, for all the things I've said about you. <laughs> Dude, they find it funny. Okay, like, uh, no, <laughs> nice um, boy. So, dad, uh, dad, don't grasp me into mum, right? But uh, <laughs> um, so, like, if I'm having, uh, if I'm talking to my mum and I'm having a bit of a moan about something, one one thing my mum used to say was be. Well, you know, count your count your blessings. It could be worse. There, there are children starving in Africa, and like that sort of stuff. I'm like, yeah. oh well, great. Well, now, now I still feel bad, but I feel guilty on top of it for feeling yeah. bad. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, that's I, I get that. My mum did very. I don't think she ever used necessarily that exact turn of phrase, but there were certainly very similar sort of mm-hmm. uh, comparisons made of you know, thank you, lucky stars. Um, and and I think it's a fair point to make, but it yes. doesn't. It does not diminish how you feel, and I think it's you can you can feel bad or sad or whatever. Um, and still accept that there are people in far worse situations than pretty much anyone in the Western world is is going to be mm-hmm. right, like you know, comparatively. Um, so yeah, you can you can keep that nice dose of guilt on top of all the other <laughs> issues you've got as well. I mean, I was I was brought up a Catholic, so you know, like guilt oh, is guilt, but part guilt, of the course, right? guilt, guilt is like just built into my DNA. <laughs> so <laughs> Catholic, white, middle class man. Guilt, <laughs> well deserved guilt as well. Yeah, well, yeah. Above. I mean, anyway, before uh, before I go go completely off the reservation, then shall we discuss a little bit of tabletop gaming news, and then maybe have a bit of a chat about you know gaming stuff we have been up to? Sure, I think we Let's... can do that. That's allegedly what this podcast is about, right? Yeah, guys, this uh, we're a tabletop gaming podcast, right? <laughs> so let's start with Munchkin. We're getting a new. There's a new Munchkin game uh, available in stores now. This is Munchkin Critical Role, um, specifically a Mighty Nine game. Now, you you're you're a big fan of Critical Role, right? I am. I don't know who the Mighty Nine are, other than I believe that is the sort of second season of Critical so, Role. Yeah, so the Mighty Nine is are the are the cast, are the the characters, the main characters, the PCs of the second season mm-hmm. of, of Critical Role. So the first season was Vox Machina, the yeah. second season is the Mighty Nine. Um, so this this Munchkin set is themed around the second season of Critical Role. Cool. The artwork looks really nice. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll definitely give it that. I have no idea if mechanically they're making introducing anything different or doing anything new with this. I my suspicion is it is Munchkin with a different skin on, which mm-hmm. they've uh, done a number of different times. You've got a couple of different copies of Munchkin. In fact, we were saying before. Uh, I do. Before yeah. We so on. I have I have I have basic Munchkin, uh, the the default game from like. God, I don't know. I, I was playing Munchkin when I was in my late teens, so it must be 25 years old now. Mm-hmm. No, no, that can't be right. 20 years old, probably. Um, but yeah, I've got that. I've got the Marvel Munchkin as well. Um, and I've seen so many others. I mean, it's been Cthulhu Munchkin, Space oh, yeah. Munchkin, Cowboy Munchkin, you know. 40k Munchkin. 40k Munchkin, Pathfinder Munchkin. Yeah. Um, there's been pretty much all of the above. And, and they all tend to come down to the the same core principles but they may have a little bit of a variation just to give them a bit sure. of so i think what i've seen from this one is i think you select a member of the mighty nine to play and that is kind of your character oh so you, it's not normal like where you get randomly di- uh, like given like a class or a race or whatever to to go with i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Don't quote me on it. But I, I had a look at some of the pictures and things, and and mm-hmm. without ru- reading the rules or or deep diving into it, that's kind of what I've taken away from it. It's like you'll you'll play like Ford, uh, which is Travis's character, or or not, which is uh, Sam's character, 
um and then you'll kind of build on on that and kind of gather things in i think it's weird though like i i don't know it's a weird one with munchkin right because munchkin's quite a it's quite a competitive game like yeah, it's, yeah, it's this mean, weird game where you have sort of a pseudo party. You kind of work together, but then you're looking to kind of backstab each other and eventually sort of win the game by, by reaching level 10 first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always found that quite an odd concept to apply to certain settings. Uh, yes. This being one of them. Like the, the Mighty Nine, while they do have a little bit of party bickering and things... I wouldn't say as a group they are racing for one to outdo the others. The same with like Marvel Munchkin as well. You know, superheroes generally aren't looking to really backstab each other to become sort of the the top dog. So I always think that's a bit of a weird element of Munchkin when you bolt on these different IPs. But at the same time, I think it's quite fun to just kind of have these IPs in a, a quick play game like this that you can just have a bit of fun and a laugh with. So don't take it too seriously yeah I'll, I'll, right so I'll, I'll actually I'll, I'll tell you my issue with the original Munchkin which I actually think like all these different reskins address so my, my thing with Munchkin is super simple game right very easy to pick up so you would think perfect like entry point game if you were trying to introduce people to tabletop gaming as a hobby right here's the problem though all the humour that's in the original Munchkin relies, maybe not entirely relies, but a lot of it you would pick up only by playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yep. It's all like references to things like gelatinous cubes and uh, beholders and all of. You have to be, I would, I, I, I don't think it's unfair to say, like fairly familiar with what like tabletop role playing games are, mm-hmm. right? Which, even even going so far as like specific items as well, because there's like yeah. in the original Munchkin, there's like the singing and dancing sword, which is a, a spoof on the dancing swords that you could get in D anD D, which is a very specific reference. You know, that goes beyond just being a casual D anD D player. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, it's definitely very much a spoof on something you need to have a, con- a, a, a conscious awareness of. So I can kind of see where you're going with this. If you have that conscious awareness of, you're probably not an entry point gamer. And if mm-hmm. you are an entry point gamer, there's all this, these jokes that like presumably everyone else at the table is getting a bit of a kick out of. And you're just going, I don't understand any of this. Like, but, but this is why I'm saying, like, actually, I kind of think the IP reskins that they do it kind of makes sense from that point of view, right? Because it, it is an entry point game and, you know, everyone knows Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, like, any one of these various IPs that they've applied it to. So, mm-hmm. I, I get that. I mean, like, as a as a game, it's... I, I, I think it's, like, fine. Like, I'm, I wouldn't be, like... I wouldn't be, like, psyched to, play, like, sit down at game night just go, right, who's up for Munchkin? But if someone really wanted to play it, I'd be like, yeah, sure, let's let's give it a bash. Um, so Munchkin's a kind of game, I, I see it as a filler game. So it's kind of a good yeah. one to pull out if you just need to fill some time. Um, or, you you know, you just need something to be doing while you're having, like, a conversation. I, the way I, I measure games on two scales. Mm-hmm. There are the games I will play because they are there, and they're the, they are the games I will go to someone's house to play. Sure. Munchkin is not a game. If you said... Hey Tom, do you want to come over on Saturday? Breaking lockdown rules, right? But no, do you want to come over yeah, on that's... Saturday? I'd play Munchkin. I'd be like, not really, no. 
<laughs> but if you're like, hey, Tom, do you want to come over and hang out on Saturday? We'll watch, you know, a TV show or something. And I came over and you were like, hey, why don't we have a quick game of Munchkins? Did you hear? I'd be like, yeah, sure, why not? So mm-hmm. I think it's it's that kind of game for me. It's not a it's not a draw game. It's a because it's their game. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense as well. Mm-hmm. It's like if you if you uh, if you're at a game night and you're still waiting for other people to arrive, kind of fills that role. I think there's a I think there are other games that fill that role and maybe do it a bit better. But it's 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 not a bad game by any stretch. No. You know, I've had fun playing it so. You know, it's. Uh, I think it's how old now. I think Jeez. it must be twenty plus years old. Yeah, it's definitely. It's definitely came out in the nineties, right? I don't know if it's that old. Maybe, maybe the back end of the nineties. Google answers all. Hold on. You're ruining the fun of speculation here. Well, we can leave the speculation in, and then because. Okay, so. Uh, Munchkin card game. All right, what's your prediction? Like late nineties at a push. Oh my god, they've done so many expansions to it. Oh yeah. Uh, I think I'm trying to find in the Wikipedia article when it actually first got published, but um, it won some awards in 2000 and 2001. Which would suggest to me it was released in like 1999 or 2000, right? So according to the Munchkin card game wiki, it was released in 2008, but that can't be right. No. Because how no, can it's it not. awards <laughs> before it was even released? That just does not, that doesn't track at all. Munchkin won the 2001 Origins Award for Best Traditional Card Game. So I, yeah. I think I'm I think I'm right. I think it's like 99 maybe 2000. Yeah. Cuz I fits, I remember fits, right. I remember playing it when I was at college, which would have been sort of 99. I hate I hate saying like saying out loud, "Oh yeah, I was in sixth form no. this year." <laughs> Hang on, no, I was in college in 2000. So yeah, that that yeah. seems to track. Cuz you're not you're, we're about the same age, right? I'm 84. When, when were you? Uh, 86. So a couple of years. We were born in 1984 and 1986. <laughs> to be, to be clear. We're not Highlanders. Like, we're not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, Munchkin Critical Role is out now in local gaming stores for you to pick up. There is another new release that we want to touch on. I can't remember if we actually said anything about this in a previous episode. But uh, there is a new expansion to Marvel Champions that you, you yourself have picked up as well. I have, yeah. I think I did mention on a previous episode that I had received it, but I hadn't really said anything uh, since then. So yeah, there is uh, Marvel Champions Galaxy's Most Wanted, which is kind of the, the Marvel Champions foray into the Guardians of the Galaxy expansions, uh, which is awesome. You know, they're very popular mm-hmm. since the MCU became a thing. It's so weird to think about it like if you go back prior to the film nobody knew who the guardians of the galaxy were and that film was considered a risk as well for marvel um a lot of people like oh you know these these aren't known entities this isn't you know iron man and and um hulk and things like that this is a more niche group and now they're they're arguably some of the more popular characters in the mcu uh and in in general um so yeah i've got the uh 
Galaxy's Most Wanted, uh, that came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's awesome. Uh, I've not got around to playing it yet. I'm still working my way through uh, Marvel Champions. It's it's a funny thing because like, we played Marvel Champions, myself, you and Ben, uh, and mm-hmm. Callum as well, when it first released and I got it. Um, and then I kept buying it ready to sort of play it with you again and that was kind of when lockdown hit and since lockdown's hit there's now been like two box expansions as well as some some smaller expansions so i've got loads of stuff yeah that i've not had chance to play so i eventually broke a few months ago and started kind of dabbling in solo play just to to start getting through some of the content because i'm never going to get chance to to get mm-hmm. through it otherwise and I've, I've really been enjoying it i played the uh i started the rise of the red skull which was the last box expansion before this one um, and that's got an actual campaign mode in it, and I'm I'm really Sweet. enjoying that. Yeah, yeah uh, that's really cool because it's it's a bit like Arkham Horror. Is it Arkham Horror? The, yeah, Arkham Horror is yeah. the card game. Yeah, it's a bit like Arkham Horror Light. I I don't think it's as dense as the campaign mode is for that, and mm-hmm. as fleshed out. But there are elements that carry over. You get cards to add to your deck. Uh, the enemies get certain depending on how well you do. The enemies get certain cards added to their decks as well. So I've really been enjoying it. I've been playing it as Ant Man, uh, mm-hmm. which is quite fun. I found him to be uh, quite OP because you can flip between being really small and really big, uh, which has some really good game versatility. Um, is that the card that actually opens up when he goes yeah. giant? Yeah, yeah that's so really cool. It's the folding oh, one. I, I like I, the um, the pessimist in me looks at that and just goes, "That's going to tear over years in years to come." Now. But it's a still really cool idea, right? Yeah, no, it is. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, the the thing I really like about Marvel Champions, not to get too deep dive on it, but it's it's got a really good way of representing each hero's unique elements to them, and mm-hmm. and it does the same with the villain decks as well. Um, I played it with you just before lockdown, I think, and we played against the Wrecking Crew. Uh, uh, was- was that just before lockdown, or was that like in that little bit of summer last year where we could actually hang out at each other's house? It might have been, yeah. It might have been yeah. when it was the east for a little while. Um, but we played against the Wrecking Crew, and they feel very different because you're fighting four villains mm-hmm. than a normal villain deck where you're just fighting one. Um, and I found that like some of the villains, just the, the way they interact with certain heroes is, is really brutal. Like, for example... I was playing against Taskmaster, who's coming, who's going to appear in the new Black Widow film, and okay. his whole thing is he adapts to to the hero's techniques, oh. and the way they represent that in the card game is whenever you turn from your uh, mundane form, your alter ego, your secret mm-hmm. identity, whatever you want to call it, into your superhero form, you take damage um, because he preempts your actions, sure. and that works really brutally against Ant-Man because every time Ant-Man turns from big to small, it still counts as him turning into his hero form. So he preempts your your changes back and Ouch. forth. <laughs> uh, and it's just these little little bits of sort of synergy and counteraction in the cards that mm-hmm. add a bit of character to it. So yeah, I've been really enjoying that and I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting around to Galaxy's Most Wanted. Uh, you've got Rocket and Groot as the two of characters course. in that one. Uh, and you got villain wise. Oh, who did you get? Oh, you get um. God, what's his name? He's in the Guardians of the Galaxy film. He's the main bad guy, and I've just completely blanked on his name. Ronan the Accuser. Uh, 
you get Ronan the Accuser, you get the Collector um, as well, who was played mm-hmm. by Benicio Del Toro in the films. Yes. Uh, and I think there's someone else as well, but my mind's blanking. Oh, Nebula. Right, well. okay. I uh, So, out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films I've seen, Guardians is my favourite. I stopped watching them after the second Avengers film, though. It's Tom... Tom still is just shaking his head solemnly. As I, I just think that. it's disgusting. I just... I, <laughs> I can't... I cannot understand how in this day and age you cannot watch the Marvel Cinematic It's not that I cannot watch it, it's just like there's things I'd rather do. No. No, I don't accept that. No, you just can't accept that. I just, I can't, like, I admit I'm biased, right? I grew up reading Mm -hmm. comic books, like the the MCU was was a fantasy for me as a kid, you know, to see these things that I really loved brought to life in the way they are now, especially in a coherent and connected universe. Um, I am very much sort of the target audience for for that side of things, um, but I just find it weird, like that people can't because there's such like a there's such a major part of the the popular culture zeitgeist now. Yeah, well, I, yeah, it's not. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just like there's things I would there's th- there's just things I would rather do. I, but here's the thing for me. Like, I am not a big film or TV guy at all. Like, I mean, I I still haven't watched Game of Thrones, right? Again, another popular zeitgeist that you avoided. (laughs) Absolutely, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when we were talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier earlier, I'm like, no. WandaVision, no. Um, (laughs) I mean, you did watch The Mandalorian eventually. Yes, and I'm so glad I did because that was awesome. Um, still haven't watched Solo though, <laughs> so Solo's fine. Yeah, that's usually what people say about Solo. It's like it's not bad. Yeah. It's not as bad as it probably should be on paper, but yeah. like it's yeah, it's got redeeming qualities as, as much as it's got uh, people that don't like it as well. I just I. I know what you spend some of your time doing. Like you've told me, and that's not to sound sinister or creepy, but like I know you watch like let's plays of people playing like war games and stuff like that i really enjoy that and I'm like, like, how could you watch that and not watch the mcu <laughs> I, like i can't explain do you know what like i i watch like more youtube videos than i do regular tv True. and the thing that i want the stuff that i watch is like yeah battle reports of like warhammer people playing magic the gathering uh and for some reason, I don't know why, I find it really relaxing and chilling just watching um, speedrunners play, like, old Mario games. Like, I I can't explain it, right? You're this a is weird just... dude. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, to be fair, right, Games Done Quick is, like, massively popular. So I'm definitely not alone in the enjoying watching speedruns. Thing. No, no, that's fair enough, and I, and I'm not here to to yuck anyone's yums, but at the same time, like that, it just baffles me, man. It just, <laughs> I, 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 if I were in your shoes, I I would feel troubled and deprived. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I, I'll watch them at some point. I guess I don't know. I don't know when I'm gonna do it, but like, good point. <laughs> 
Yeah. Alright, yeah. Tom's gonna come around with a Kalashnikov and like just go, we're gonna we're gonna watch the MCU now. Now. I mean, you've missed some crackers like Thor Ragnarok. You'd love yeah, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I've heard that's fantastic. Like you would, you would be all over that. Um, you know the the Infinity Saga, the tail end of that. You'd I hear that. Black Panther's great. Black like... Panther's amazing. Yeah, Ant Man Two's amazing. Like you know, there's just so much. Just, just why? Why? Anyway, moving on, please. We are a tabletop <laughs> gaming podcast, and that is what we talk about. Uh, we have one other bit of big news. This is like actual national news, really. Um, it, Monday, the 12th of April, we'll see a lot of non-essential retail reopening for the first time in months. Uh, this is including, and uh, they did a press release on this, Games Workshop reopening their Warhammer stores and uh, detailing all the measures that they're putting in place to keep people safe throughout the pandemic. Uh, but it also is going to include your local gaming store as well. Um, so we wanted to highlight that. Um, <laughs> say how much a good thing it is actually to have these shops reopening, uh, particularly the, the independent guys, because this has been rough on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe just have a... A chat about like how how it's going to be different, I suppose this time around. You know, I don't think it's. I think it's going to be a long time before we can go to our uh, local gaming store and sit down and have a game of something, which is something I'm looking forward to getting back into. But um, nice that they're reopening, though. At least, right? It's a step in the right direction, right? Like it's, and and I think I without getting too political. I was a bit wary the last time lockdown mm-hmm. measures were eased and I felt it was too much too soon. And I'm not saying I don't feel that at all this time, but I certainly feel it less so. Um, you know, we've got the vaccines starting to get rolled out. We've got, you know, a general improvement. And and I think, I, I certainly think and I hope we're going into this a little more aware, having learned a bit of a lesson from last time. And I know there are people out there that haven't learned any lessons, and idiots will always be idiots, right? Like, there's no, there's no getting around yeah. that. Can't but, fix stupid. Yeah, but you know, I think we've we've come a, a, a I don't want to say a long way. We've come away. Um, <laughs> we've took to, a couple of steps. <laughs> yeah, to to maybe learning a bit of le- the lesson. So I I certainly hope this is this is here to stay. Um, but I hope it's kind of done at the right pace. And I will yeah. say games workshop especially as much as i i am the first person to sort of call bullshit on things like luminef realm lords and, and all that jazz i will say games workshop have handled the lockdown really well the the way they kind of treated the staff was really good uh, i still have a few friends from from my time in games workshop mm-hmm. and i know they are very conscious with what they're kind of rolling out at the moment so i i don't i don't feel that they're in any any risk you know than than anywhere else would be anyway and they seem to be doing things right which is good yeah sure absolutely and that that's the um the, the number one priority is like everyone staying safe as well like i'm personally i'm i'm not in a hurry to go back to my local gw or the various gaming stores that i'll i'll pop into 
Although, like, I don't know about you, I've got the, I think it's um, the Zoe COVID app, where I'm, like, reporting, like, how, whether I'm feeling sick or not each day. And in return, they tell you uh, some stats about what's going on in your local area. So I actually get, like, a little bit of an estimate as to how many cases are happening in Glasgow, which is frightening and anxiety-inducing when things are really bad. But see, when things are improving like they are now, it's quite comforting. Yeah. So maybe when I see that start to dwindle to the point we were at last summer, yeah. I might feel a bit more confident about you you know going like going into a shop and spending my money at a local with a local business, you know. Um I think the difference the big difference for me from from last summer to this summer and this is what I was conscious of last summer was we didn't have a vaccine. We had nothing. Yes. We had there, there had realistically been no change apart from a few measures put in place people largely wearing masks but not exclusively wearing you know not not mm. across the board um and you know some stores taking measures but there were there were plenty of times and i'm sure this happened to you in fact myself and you met up for a drink uh when when things were eased and we were sitting in a socially distanced pub and we had two people literally walk within millimeters of us despite all these rules about you know keeping distance and and all this kind of stuff and they weren't wearing masks and that was that was the last time i went into town before things were locked back down because i was like right i i appreciate we're maybe in a better position but we're not there and the difference now i feel is most people have have started to get at least the first vaccine uh, or Mm -hmm. certainly on their way to it some people i know have, have already had the second vaccine um as well yeah um and it does seem to be having a a positive impact so fingers crossed we're we're in a better position and we don't have to go back into to full body lockdown again (laughs) god forbid (laughs) like it's weird though like go on sorry no i I, all i was gonna say this the, the last year has just been a complete it's been science fiction sure like that that the the this this feels like a film, yeah. right, That we've been playing out for twelve months plus. It's unreal. Like I I, I agree with you. It's felt very surreal. Um, and things like I'm I'm a bit of a house mouse. Like I I'm mm-hmm. I'm quite happy to stay in the house. You know, I'm not a big like, you know, random Saturday afternoon. Let's go and walk up a hill. Like no, fuck that noise. I'm not interested. In that. <laughs> like, you know, I, um, I I like doing my own thing around the house. But even even for someone like myself who who does like that kind of lifestyle you still want to have the option to go and see your friends you still want to have the option to go to the cinema you still want to have the option you know to to go and do things and go abroad and and things like that you know that um and we've had 12 months where we haven't largely been able to do those things except for a few small reprieves that i would argue we maybe shouldn't have had Mm. um it's, it's going to be strange going back to it, I think. is I, I'm not at the stage where I'm going to be like xenophobic. Is it xenophobic? No, xenophobic's outside. Where you don't like going outside. Uh, agrophobic. Agrophobic, thank you. I'm not at the stage where I'm going to be agrophobic and be like, I can't go out here. But at the same mm-hmm. time, meeting like a group of people is going to be a little bit jarring and a little bit like... 
not be yeah honest. it's gonna be that uh i keep seeing the meme of like everyone wants lockdown restrictions are lifted and it's that awkward scene of dr evil hugging uh, seth green's character <laughs> in in austin powers <laughs> so yeah yeah i know what you mean i'm looking forward to it though we're definitely doing i keep i keep saying we're gonna do a trip to new york and uh, I'm not joking. I really want to do it. <laughs> no, so do I. So, uh, yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm well up for that. Um, I would love to go. Uh, when th- it's, it's funny because mm. we were discussing that like literally before lockdown sort of hit, and it was like, well, we have to postpone that for a little bit. Yes, for a significant length of time, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but no, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, right. Anyway, so that's, that pretty much covers off the news. So... Gaming-wise, what have we been up to? Well. 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 <laughs> We've both been playing more Age of Sigmar Soulbound. I was wondering where you were going with that. Okay, yep, yep, we have been doing that. That is true. Yeah, so uh, we did Scott, con- Scott continues to run the campaign. Uh, we've, we've been bloody stranded, and now we're trying to make our way back to um, the city through this nasty jungle. Uh, it was... It was a tough session last night, but a good one, I think. Yeah, it was... I, I was saying to you after the session, it, it, I I haven't connected as well with Age of Sigmar as you and Ben necessarily have as a role-playing game. Um, but I think last night's session was my favourite so mm-hmm. far. Bar one element, uh, which I will touch on briefly. But it was... It was the session I felt the most kind of connected to the kind of the group moving through the jungle, yeah. finding like some some corpses that had been killed by like what are essentially zinch crows. Uh, well, no, because they've been infected by Nurgle's rot. So presumably, well, no, but the, the, there's some zinch birds flying overhead. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, but there's some Nurgle stuff going on there as well. So I we don't get, know. Let's get into that. Oh, oh, sorry, I'll stop interrupting. I'll stop interrupting. So rude. <laughs> wow. Okay. You yeah, and they'd, 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 you, you kind of you chewed the end off my story now. Uh, they had been infected by by Nurgle's mm. rot, so that was kind of cool. And then we like continued exploring, and we got attacked by a massive spider. Uh, Arachnarok. Arachnarok, which is a great name, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um and that was cool because I remember I actually remember that model getting released when I worked at Games Workshop. It's so still great, isn't it? I had to build that bugger like for Oof. for presentation. It's a it's a big boy. Like it is a mm-hmm. it is a big boy, and we we found that uh, it was kind of our first time properly encountering a monster uh, in in uh, Soulbound. We had had a little bit of a run in with one on the ship, but that was fairly quick, um, and I think we got quite lucky with that one. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one was like the three of us versus this massive Arachnarok, and it was a a, a a harsh learning curve, I would probably say. Yeah, it was it was rough. We we had to run away basically, yeah. but that's sometimes it's sometimes the the right thing to do because you know you're no good dead mm-hmm. late in these games. I actually see the moment I realised that it was. And Arachnarok, I actually thought to myself, is this one of these, um, is this one of these uh, scenarios where we, as the players, are supposed to run away from it? Mm-hmm. Because RPGs do throw that at you from time to time. It's sort mm-hmm. of like testing your threat assessment and just going, we can't beat that thing. Let's get out of here. 
Um, I don't. I don't even necessarily think it's testing your threat assessment, although that is a valid, a valid take on it. But I think it's really important. I do it sparingly as a GM, but mm-hmm. I will do it on occasion because I think it's important to establish to the players that while you might think you are the big fish, yeah, you're not, and there are still things in this this world, this setting, whatever it is, that are going to be so much more powerful for you, and that you're not going to be able to go up against. But it's interesting because. That that's a good example of of where we went up against it, and we were like, we cannot beat this for a number of reasons. Or if we can beat it, casualties are going to be high, um, and we 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 bailed. Right? We were just like, nah, this is done. But I had yeah. a similar experience. I was playing fifth edition D anD D a couple of weeks ago, and we had a similar experience where we met. A, where we're playing uh, Rime of the Frost Maiden, which is mm-hmm. kind of set in a frozen North settlement. I think it's called Ram of the Frostman. I'm questioning myself now. But anyway, uh, and we met a bunch of Yeti hunters and they were like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're going to hunt this Yeti. And we were like, oh, hunt a Yeti. That sounds like great fun. Uh, So we joined these hunters and went Yeti hunting. (laughs) And we we found a Yeti. uh, And the GM was less than subtle about this is not a good idea um, Mm -hmm. when we were kind of encountering this thing. And we, but we won. We got quite oh, right, lucky, okay. and we actually, despite how challenging the encounter we put ourselves into was, we did lose a party member. But out of five or six of us, it's not too bad. Um, <laughs> and we did. They'll, they'll get better. It's acceptable it's fine. casualties, right? Uh, but yeah, we we came out on top. So mm-hmm. it's a weird one because sometimes you can put these encounters in and be like, "Do not mess with this. This will this will kill you." Uh, but luck can go your way and, and you might, you know, come out on top in spite of yourself. But I don't think that was on the cards for us last night. No, I, we, we had a chat about it after the session ended and I think we've kind of concluded we just don't have the tools available to us to deal with that sort of stuff. So it's something that um, something that we're probably going to like have a look at when we get back to the town to pick up specific weapons that will help us. Because... It's not going to be the last time we come up against a big, nasty, gribbly that is really tough to kill. So, um, I think it, it wasn't just that we don't have the tools as well. I think we didn't put our best foot forward because no. we didn't really appreciate what we were dealing with as yeah. well. Uh, I mean, we're, we're playing undermanned, right? And this is a good point that, that Scott made. So we're playing a three-person party in what I imagine is a four-person module. And when you encounter sort of foot troops uh, in that that module, it will give you like two times the number of party members of ghouls or three times the number of party members, you know, nurglings or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you get a monster, it just gives you the monster. Yeah, there's no way is. of scaling that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and that's where I think we, we kind of met our, our first bit of resistance with it as well. And then... I've built a, a kind of roguish character that is sort of supposed to be death by a thousand cuts, um, mm-hmm. but this thing doesn't play with that, uh, and and those little thousand cuts mean nothing to it. Um, same for yourself as well. I mean, your character Norgrant has mowed down literally mobs of Skaven in the previous campaign, but then he came up against this thing and shot it, and it was, you know, my exact words were in character. Shit, that didn't do as much damage as I thought it would. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing a little bit 
uh, of maybe where we've got chinks in our, our armor as a group uh, in mm-hmm. that sense. But uh, we did learn a little bit more about uh, how heavy damage uh, works. Yeah. Which we've not really seen. We learned a little bit more about the soul fire mechanic. That's two sessions, actually, in fairly close uh, proximity that we've learned how heavy damage works in a system. Because we had similar <laughs> Oh, Star Wars, oh my god. Yeah. yeah we, 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 we talked we, about that on a previous episode. Became um, intimately familiar with the critical system. <laughs> yeah, jeez. So, some of our party more than others. <laughs> so... Um, no, no, it was it was a good session though. I, I I did enjoy it, and I'm still in. I'm continuing to. I really quite I quite like playing Norgrand. He's uh, uh, it's it's a nice feeling playing uh, who is normally quite a powerful character in combat as well. Like like you say, he will just mow down like squads of troops like they were nothing. So it's uh, it's a that's a nice feeling, but it's also quite a, a good. A humbling feeling when you know something like last night happens when we've got this humongous spider that just won't get gunned down. So uh, why won't you die? <laughs> ah. Yeah, it's quite so, funny. You you did the the Josh classic there where you you talked about how much you like your character. <laughs> you always like your characters. <laughs> I what can I say? I'm enthusiastic. It's a, good, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It just makes me chuckle. Do you want me to talk about a character in hindsight? I'm not that keen on now. Go ahead. To jump to book the trend, and we, we've spoke about this off off mic. Uh, Carl uh, Carl Becker, who uh, I was playing at the tail end of our Pathfinder campaign last year. Um, a couple of reasons. I don't normally play spellcasters, and I decided I'm going to do. To my detriment, I decided right. I need to do something different. I'm going to play a spellcaster. We were at level ten. Mm-hmm. At that point, yep. high level spellcasters are really difficult, guys. <laughs> like, it took me, and I read through the rules for for, for psychic. Uh, that that's the type of spellcaster I went with. So that's read, it. You not only did you go for a, a spellcaster though, you went for an advanced spellcasting class because you yeah. went for for the psychic, which is a which is like your sorcerer wizard plus. On, on level of has a whole new like system of yep. tra- like tracking your power. You've got all these fret the, the psychic points and all of yep. this, uh, like all of that. And basically, I the way he he shook out in combat was, I just cast like psychic blast like all the time. Same spell, just <laughs> level five psychic blast. That was it. That's all. I would occasionally try and do like a dominate person. Yeah, but that's quite difficult to pull off. It is, um, particularly at high levels. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, not like I, it, I didn't hate playing him, and like in terms of the character himself, I had a bit of fun with him. I kind of basically, I, I didn't intend to base him on Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine Nine, but someone made the point that he, oh, he's quite similar to Captain Holt. Uh, and I just went with that. It's like okay, I know, I know my archetype now. Uh, but, uh, it's a good archetype. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it did lead to some sort of funny moments. Um, but yeah, I wasn't wild about playing him. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Speaking of Pathfinder, we are getting back into that on Tuesday as well. 
We are, yeah. We're uh, we're revisiting our, our mythic campaign. Uh, so we had our first arc, uh, which was Common Cause. Mm-hmm. Then we did the the second storyline, which was Darkness Divides. Then we did the third arc, which Carl was in, which was Tomorrow yep. Brings Many Things. Uh, and now we're moving into Assault of Ice, which is finally the fruition of Dave's character's Alanon's sort of tease storyline that never which got picked up on. Planted right in that first arc. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and you guys just left a, a gigantic army to the north to slowly amass and uh, and and make its move. So so now they're making their move. So that's going to be really it's gonna interesting. Be, it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be uh, having played Star Wars for quite a while now with that group. Um, we are still playing Star Wars. We're, we're going to just alternate the games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be a bit of a shell shock for some of you going back to to level thirteen Pathfinder characters with mythic oh ranks God, right. as well. Um, yeah. You have made the perhaps wiser decision of playing a, a, a Smash Barbarian. Uh, I just want to keep it as simple as possible. Like yeah. and like, even at that, it's like okay, right? I've got um, I've got so many different weapon profiles now, and I I still need to build more on roll twenty because like Barry made the point. I, my character's gonna have haste, so I'm planning on casting <laughs> that almost every combat. I'm like, Great. Need to make a whole new weapon profile now for when I have haste and all, all the gubbins and all the rules and yeah, oh wow, um, it was it's been fun it's been fun building him though. Um, so my character is Lokag, he is a Goliath barbarian. Um, what's the what's the name of your god? Is it Joffrey or something? Jeffrey? Hold on, right, hold on, <laughs> right. That, let's not dive straight into the god. I'm gonna say it's the god. Of volcanoes, mm-hmm. right? Which makes sense for a Goliath. Mm-hmm. Comes from this very mountainous region of the world, mm-hmm. right? The the god she she is called Joramy. <laughs> Stop laughing! I didn't make the name up. Jeffrey. Like that that's the name given to this god in the pantheon, right? Sure, sure. Joramy. Joramy. I just think of Jeremy by bloody yeah. uh, Pearl Jam. That's I, I I just get Eddie Vedder singing Jeremy Spoken <laughs> You know she's gonna get called Jeremy and Joffrey and every every variation under the sun. Yeah, I have a line planned for when one of the party pulls that. So <laughs> I look forward to hearing it. Yeah. But no, it's it's gonna be quite it'll be it'll be fun playing a big beefcake. Uh I mean I'm I'm playing one in fifth ed Dungeons and Dragons uh, currently, and um, this is going to be significantly more complex, and you know, lots more dice being chucked. <laughs> so Digital. it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be fun. It will be, and that to. that'll lead nicely into our our next crossover game as well. Yeah, um, which we are hoping to do end of this year, right? The twenty twenty one, all being well, yeah. Um, and I've I've been having uh, just finally I'm conscious we're running quite long. Uh, I've been okay. having fun with a, a new map making tool that I found as well uh, to build maps for for these games uh, that I've been running for years and years. Uh, I've moved away from my my pen and paper mm-hmm. black and white maps uh, onto the digital age. A program called In- Incarnate, um, which is five pound a month, so it is it's a bit pricey. Mm-hmm. Um, for for a map making bit of software, but you can just make your maps and then unsubscribe. So 
Wow. You know? Not that we would encourage that sort of behavior. Well, it's a service, right? If you're only using mm-hmm. it for a month, you should only pay for a month. So, uh, I'm I'm not saying I I certainly am not doing that because I have so many maps to make now. Uh, mm-hmm. That'll be me for for a very long time. Everything will be maps to the point that I probably get an intervention brought against me for Tom. We don't need any more maps. We're fine. Like you've Start mapped out your house on fun, fun with maps. <laughs> yeah, Tom Mannering. <laughs> Today we're gonna be, we're gonna paint a map. So. It is really fun. Well, it's weirdly addictive. I, I, I'll, I'll say this: it, it, it does a lot to bring a world to life, right? It's not a coincidence that, like, see, really early twentieth-century fantasy, like Tolkien, they they all included maps mm-hmm. with their books, right? And it's so that you, it it gives the readers, or in this case, the players, like, a sense of. A sense of scale and a sense of place, right? You know, you can you can have a look and we're here and oh right, this this land is actually quite vast and mm-hmm. we've got this sort of uh, terrain to the north of us and that to the south. It it helps um, it helps make something feel a bit more real. So I, d- I definitely get like the the value in in doing it. Yeah. Are you going to so. map out the whole of Ashtar? I'm halfway through it at the moment oh wow okay (laughs) i've I've mapped out the eastern so i'm doing like a world map at the moment so it's not as detailed as the the region maps i've i've made for boskenland and the eagle nations um but i'm doing sort of a a world map that has a obviously very zoomed out view and shows Mm -hmm. you where all the the countries and continents are um i'm doing a region map for the the frozen lands to the the north uh, for your mm-hmm. exploration, so that's going to be really cool. Like bringing that to life as you guys kind of uh, traverse it, um, and I'm going to probably do uh, some others for some of the other regions that uh, my other parties have visited as well. Um, but it's just a, it's a really useful tool, and and the good thing about this particular program, I will say, is you can do maps at very different levels, so you can do. You can do almost dungeon maps mm-hmm. of uh, you know uh, your actual zoomed-in dungeon map all the way up to world maps. So there's a lot of a lot of range there, a lot of scope. Uh, I'm also going to build a map for your settlement that you built, Landros. Oh, that's good. Cool. Uh, yeah, and actually map out all the buildings and things, which Scott was originally going to actually do three-dimensional, um, but now we can do that digitally, which will be uh, nice. Hmm. Yeah, neat. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be yeah. good to dive back into Pathfinder and chucking loads of digital dice, but dice nonetheless. So. Right, yeah. Will we will we call that a night uh, uh, on that note? Yeah, let's do it. Let's hope that uh, my full recording is here as well. <laughs> this week. Yeah, oh God, yeah. Well, well if, if, if you can hear a distant scream, guys, you'll know that it was me. So, uh, anyway, look, thank you very much for listening and until next time, take care. Bye. Bye.